to the Gods to Ghost Volleyball Podcast in your host, Scott Bemke, for part two of our interview with 1996 California Beach Volleyball Association Hall of Fame inductee, Butch May. Let's get rolling with part two. All right, Butch, we ready to get rolling with part two here, pal? Okay. So, uh... I'm, I've been wanting to ask you, we didn't touch enough on that 64 team. Um, there were some tremendous athletes on there, like Erickson, Keith Erickson, and Ernie, and what have you. And then uh, you had Gene Selznick that was, you know, uh, tragically left off the team. So um, tell me as much as you can about uh, Selznick and what he was like as an indoor player then, because from by all accounts, even though he wasn't necessarily in his prime in 64 before the Olympics, he was uh, just a phenomenal otherworldly player by all accounts. So you saw it with your own eyes, pal, so fire away. Well, um, I never saw uh, all world uh, just prior or right after he made all world. That's Gene. But, the, but I did see him his latter years just when he started to step back he, he was good enough to do a lot of things um, you gotta remember one thing Gene Gene uh, liked having fun liked doing a lot of things and he was his own worst enemy okay he said things openly and uh, he did things that uh, rubbed people the wrong way mm-hmm. that, especially when it came to volleyball um when, when they made that announcement in 1964 in, in Queens, uh, you know, they're gone. And uh, they had named the team. Uh, uh, people, uh, uh, like, when Ernie was chosen and Keith Erickson, everybody, yeah, you know, they're, they're happy. And, uh, um, you know, they had um, uh, certain names. That, those are the only two that I remember where. Where, where people would go, oh, ah, oh. And so you kind of anticipated that the athletes that were going to be chosen next were going to be right with them. You know, the right. little free bodies that were thunderous and uh, vibrant and good. And uh, as they went down the list, there was like, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, and, I mean, they were still good volleyball players. Right. But, um, for anybody that was new or anybody that uh, um, had been in the mix, they were going, wow, this, oh, man, it's getting up to 8, 9, 10, and then 11, and 12. And when I got to 12, people kind of looked around, and uh, for me, we thought, no, this, this, um, this isn't right. You know, I, I didn't say it was wrong. This isn't right because they still had a good team. They had a team. But some of the players had already been played out. You understand? Yes. And, and, and I won't mention the names, but they had actually been played out. And uh, we kind of looked around and said, and then they named the alternates. And the alternates brought uh, brought that uh, excitement back again. Hey, okay, because uh, Harry Wilson said that if uh, anybody, any one of the alternates, or you played, uh, practice hard enough, you deserve to uh, be on the team. Sure. That would be uh, a choice that was uh, only fit. Right. Well, it didn't happen. You know, as you go to practice, and in some of the practices, uh, it was a generic practice, not, not saying that it wasn't any good, but uh, you could feel that the old walked in there, and all of a 
us walk proudly. We just, uh, yeah, we're going to get in there. And, um, and we were happy to see the teammates because one was a 64 team and the other was a 64 alternates. But somehow we could see uh, changes coming or maybe a few changes and uh, we're going to send a, what we thought would, would have been a, a pretty good team. Right. Well, the only thing that, um, that resonated with everybody was when they had that exhibition at uh, Sarita's College uh, fairly new at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, when the Olympic team, the 12, didn't make enough points to win one 15-point game, we already knew that home had, or we're going to uh, have our chances. Are uh, they going to reshuffle? And uh, No, it didn't happen that way. And then we were asked not to, uh, uh, we weren't allowed to practice with them again. You know, and by the time they got over to Japan, uh, we found out that uh, the world had changed and we had not saying that we didn't have good athletes we had athletes that didn't have the knowledge that uh, the world had the world um, had changed the game of volleyball even though we started it. you know and um, of course I, I made the mistake I made the mistake uh, when Selzak was passing around um uh, these lists to change things, etc. Uh, okay, we need to pass. We need a bunch of names. I always signed it. Uh, I found out that was like signing my death warrant. Yeah, <laughs> 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 my name was right up top. <laughs> you got four aft right there, didn't you, Butchie? Uh, I, I got four aft for uh, again. Uh, well, that's uh, you know, a guilty uh, with no knowledge, uh, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, Funny, I, I said, how could this guy make the Pan American team? Or how could that guy come? Right? And they said, uh, you know, you follow Selznick, uh, <laughs> you're going to. That's the worst <laughs> thing. Uh, it, it wasn't a wise choice. Even though and he I, was right about the game, and they found okay. that out the hard way in the Olympics, uh, but Harry Wilson had it out for him and didn't like him pointing out. Uh, that things had changed and we'd fallen behind the times and said anyone that's with him is no longer with us, basically. Well, uh, Harry Wilson didn't have it out for him. Uh, Selznick made sure that he could rankle you in such a way that uh, that you never forgot, openly. And, uh, you know, um, things weren't discussed, things were yelled at, you know. Uh, but he hurt uh, himself, and uh, like I said, the people sided with him by starting these petitions. And uh, someone said, you know what, he said, yeah, let me sign that. Uh, I've never written a bad check, but that was about as bad as I had. And I realized that Selznick had his own followers, and he did, he, he could. But uh, uh, the people that were, um, the, he was a naysayer. And, and um, he had his followers, and, uh, they stayed together, and, and you know, Southern would go to the Nationals. They still do well. And, of course, uh, he never kept his uh, mouth shut. Um, I, I realized, uh, you know, he's trying to be funny and sarcastic at the same time. Sure. And, um, um, not a good way to go. Yeah. He, you know, one of the most, and, and he made fun of the United States Volleyball Association. Now, one of the things that uh, I... I found out later about the United States Volleyball Association. Uh, it's a gathering of people that do a job, making sure that we can have tournaments during the year, making sure that uh, they can have a national champion. It's a thankless job where nobody got paid. I understood that. You know, these, uh, these people um, wanting to like Gene uh, separated themselves. They liked watching him play, but they separated themselves. And, uh, you know, I know now that it, 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 a lot of it uh, just points to one person, just Gene. You know, the, the people that he had garnished and, uh, and, and uh, wooed on his side, they were all good players. You know, there are a lot of good players. You know, you had, uh, you had guys that might have been on the back end of their game, but they're still game. Jim Montague wasn't uh, the youngest on the team. Um, 
Ron Lang. Ron Lang made it. Uh, Ron deserved to go. But then the type of volleyball that they ran into in 64 was different than what we played. It was the stuff that Selvig played. And um, athlete, you find out that the, uh, you get the, these athletes are just as big as the biggest one you have and are just as powerful and their skill level is uh, unbelievable. You know, they're, uh, uh, well, they're lift, they're, you know, they're, um, they're burly, uh, they're strong, they have finesse, and, they, um, and they're thinkers. Yeah, so you um, had a bunch of guys, you guys had, well, the guys that made it, the amazing athletes were like Erickson and, and Sawara, for example, but the uh, opponents had a bunch of guys that were like them, but also super highly skilled, um, and, and then also were able to pass. But, oh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. With the bump. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, we had to change our ways right away. And you go to um, the Olympics, and you're one skill less. In other words, you didn't understand what the underhand bump pass was, or the Russian bump pass, they called it. Uh, um, it, it. It was just different. We were too slow. So the Selzak like had done some things, and he brought... A levity to the game. He, uh, it was uh, showy, quick uh, in the earlier in the earlier stages, and uh, we didn't understand that we're still in the four-two mode. Right. You know, and then uh, oh man, can you imagine? Hey, they're running a five-one. That's what Southern was running. Ooh, what's a five-one? Well, one setter, five hitter. Ooh, or <laughs> six-two. Or a six zero. I mean, no, nobody understood that. So we had to change our thinking, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, a, a lot of the pitfalls that we had at prior to uh, going you know, prior to the Olympics in '64, we uh, uh, got better, and we took uh, and we shortchanged ourselves going into '68. Now. The Japanese were using uh, uh, the Daimatsu had a women's team that were doing Japanese roles. It's a shoulder roll or a judo roll. And, um, you know, that was popular. Well, for our big guys, and our big guys could have been uh, big guys on the 68 team and, and the 64 team. If they tried to roll like that without prior knowledge of uh, learning that it was a skill, they sound like a square wheel. <laughs> they hit bones. They have hip bones, knees. So nobody uh, rolled. Very few people rolled. Now uh, you get to Japan, they're rolling. And uh, we're so happy to see that in 64, we said, okay, we're going to change. We're going to come back and we're going to be different ballplayers. So we did what we thought was correct. By the time we got there in 68, they were diving. What the hell's a dive? <laughs> this isn't the, they thought it was uh, the triple Lindy before the triple Lindy. Oh. <laughs> our Olympic team, our Olympic team. Uh, you know the pads of rubber that you have for pillows? Yeah. Yeah. The foam, the foam blocks. Some of them are three or four inches thick, right? And as uh, wide as 14 inches for the small little pillows or fillers. Um, some of our players had that sticking out of their pants during practice. You know? <laughs> and it wasn't so, to impress the ladies. Uh, and, uh, and when I say some of the players, uh, three of them were tall, and we had a couple of uh, mid-rangers that went to practice that way. That, that's how the 6-8 team gathered, and they had stuff sticking out of their side, out of their back. I mean, you talk about goofy. <laughs> but that's because we had nobody to show us what to do. One of the most important things in all sport is movement, right? Yep. And uh, probably uh, the people that can move the best uh, uh, when, when I help coach uh, little teams, I would ask the girls, anybody here play soccer? They go, yeah, uh, you're going to be a good volleyball player. They go, why do you say that? Because you know how to move correctly but you know how to go directly to a spot. And we were learning those things. We were, you know, we didn't have uh, 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 people to teach us. Um, 
the 68 Olympic team was splintered enough that everybody had their own practices. Rundle practiced differently. You know, and Rundle was a good player. Um, the 64 Olympic team, uh, the two legitimate hitters or three, or probably it was um, Ernie Sawara, Keith Harrison, and... Um, O'Hara or Bright, I'm guessing? Uh, uh, Bright. Uh, well, that's uh, uh, four, and then you got uh, John Taylor. And yeah, it wasn't Taylor. Um, he was on the second team with Dugan, but he played so damn well that he ended up making the team uh, and going there, moving to the first team from uh, the Hollywood uh, second oh, team sure. to the... From to the Hollywood Comets. Comets to the stars. the stars. Yeah, and... Uh, but Taylor sprained his ankle. So everybody knew that the next person coming in, Taylor had a sprained ankle during the Olympic, uh, when, when they were working out. He twisted his ankle. So one of us was coming up. You know, it could have been Rudy, or maybe they'll take uh, uh, Gene. Maybe I was going. Uh, nobody knew. Nobody knew. But nobody went. What about Chuck Nelson, who basically made the team because um, he came down to play for Hollywood after Harry did a backroom deal with them um, and said, hey, you'll, you'll play in the Olympics if you come play for us instead of Stockton. I heard he could hit the crap out of the ball, but was, uh, uh, I don't know if he was, should have beat out skates for it. I've heard that that, wasn't, that shouldn't have happened. Well, uh, you know, uh, skates would probably feel that way. Skate. Skates wasn't a complete player, but he was a player that drove you nuts because he was left-handed. He could hit the ball off your hands. He could do a lot of things. Uh, uh, his setting skills weren't that good, hand setting. Uh, learning how to bump was different. Everybody was learning how to bump. Sure. Uh, Chuck Nelson had wrists that had hinges. And uh, maybe it's true that certain players played um, on the team uh, that should never have been there. You know, Harry garnished and, and took. Uh, I think Jake, Jake Highland from the Army was one of those guys that uh, made the team. Uh, Jake Highland was from the Air Force. Uh, Jake Highland, um, in those days, they, uh, for the All Star team, sometimes they took an armed service representative. Jake was one of them. You know, maybe Jake wasn't the strongest player, you know. Uh, maybe he was bat, uh, past his point. Um, O'Hara, you had guys like Spike Morse, just prior to O'Hara going to 64. These guys uh, uh, could serve O'Hara off the court. O'Hara could pass. You know? And his roundhouse hit uh, was the thing that saved him. But if Harry took players that were, uh, that had surrounded him and were faithful to him. And uh, in, in all agreement, um, maybe those players should have gone because they uh, uh, stuck to Harry, but uh, he had several of them. I heard uh, when the uh, names were announced that Walt Schiller was a hell of a setter, and he stood up and said, this is bullshit, and walked out. <laughs> well, uh, uh, okay, okay, Walt was already on the back end of his game because he played for the Comets for us. But uh, the guy that should have been, uh, that didn't say anything and was uh, disappointed was Rolf Engen. Rolf should have gone. You know, even though he was uh, short for size, he had already uh, had problems with his Achilles, but he healed, and, and he was uh, he was a person that could help everybody. He was good on defense. He understood uh, uh, that the changes had to be done within two weeks. This was two weeks before the, uh, the team went to the Olympics. And Rolf kind of uh, steadied himself out. He says, no, uh, I didn't make it. Uh, and, and that was it. He kind of bowed up. But you had guys like Barry Brown. Uh, Barry Brown at one time was a good player. you know. And uh, But Barry had uh, already... It, it, uh, it's not fair for me to say that uh, um, Barry had already seen his prime, but he did. You know, he didn't have the best uh, um, nationals in 1964, but Barry won. Bill Greenman, I was a player from uh, uh, that area was high on because he was taller than uh, the other center. Right. Yeah, center, uh, Pete Valeska. 
could hit uh, left hand, right hand. And I heard Velasco was a hitter his whole life, and then they made him a setter for the Olympics, which didn't make any sense. Now, Pete could set a ball, but uh, but, but Pete was was kind of an individual that did this. This is just for me, and I I, I love Pete. And um, we're both Hawaiian, etc. And he just says, keep your nose clean. Now, Peter never said a word about the better players that were left off the team. Because he said, no need. You know, that was the one. I would make them. And, and that, that was his goal. And he could have. But Peter never uh, gave himself a chance to get in shape. And he was on the Olympic team. Peter was on two Olympic teams, only two players. Mike Brighton and, and Pete Velasco. Um, maybe uh, Peter should never made uh, 64 uh, or 68. But he was a devastating player. But as an individual, you know, he could pass, he could sit, he could dig with both hands. Uh, serving, it was good. But as far as being a devastating blocker or uh, doing things, probably not. You know, nobody. You know, the, the guy that could play that was left off the team was Gene Silver. Gene, Gene could have easily taken uh, two or three different people's places on the team, on the 64 team. But it wouldn't have been good for the 64 team because he still had to deal with Harry. And uh, they didn't see eye to eye. And they were still going to be playing the old... Uh game and Gene would be in his ear nonstop uh, telling him, hey, oh, we need to fix oh, this. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, it wouldn't have been good. You know, the, maybe not all the members on the team, uh, you know, you could find negative things with uh, the majority of the team, but uh, it, it wasn't necessary. Why? Because they were pissed. Uh, the only out that we had was if we outplayed them, we were going to make changes, and that never happened. Right. You know, I uh, I talked to John Taylor, uh, and he told me about a beach tournament that he played in, um, and he was watching uh, Selznick play against Erickson, and Erickson had a right on set, and Gene was playing against him, and Gene came up to the net to dig it. And uh, Erickson pounded it so hard and straight down, Gene fell backwards on his back and overhand dug it straight up perfectly. He got a set and put it away, and he said it was the most amazing volleyball play he's ever seen. So I'm just curious about the indoors. Did you see Gene do some stuff once in a while like you saw Ernie do, or you just were uh, blown away? Does anything stick out that you remember? Well, it sounds like it's shoot a dick and in other words you were hitting cross court down the line or whatever he could shoot it back over your head you know he, he had the skill and it'd just be smiling and, uh, <laughs> toying with it, you like a cat oh yeah no Gene Gene was just a different type of athlete that understood that game you know Ernie talked about uh, um, a guy that impressed him when he was uh, growing up his name was Gabe Budishan and uh, he said Gabe was one of the best hitters he's ever seen in the world. And Selznick had played against him. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I got to see Budajan when he was older. And he was well past his prime, but he was good. And, and, and that's the stuff that Selznick uh, um, had. He was good even though he's past his prime. He could still play. And uh, you had to beat Selznick to, uh, to beat him. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we made fun of volleyball, but we were fl- uh, we were just pleased. 1964, we all knew because we wanted to be um, world champions. We wanted to be Olympic champions, and somehow our committee that um, uh, represented the United States never kept up with the changes in the world. And it came to light when Japan introduced volleyball in the Olympics. For men and women. For men and women. Yep, yep. And that was apparent right from game one, from what I've heard. So what what did they do? They won won two two matches with all that talent, but they only won two matches because they weren't uh, 
they half the team hated the other half because uh, they knew a lot of the guys that should have been on there weren't on there and vice versa. Is well, I, I don't think they took that. They just knew that the, you know with different personnel we would be better. I'm not saying that we would have won one. No, we were goofy from the start. You know, you can't send uh, a team to represent you and, and in your best light have two outstanding players, Erickson and Ernie, and then everybody after that. Who's after that? You know, Erickson and everybody, uh, we all know that he was going to go on and play basketball and be a pro basketball player, which he was. And Ernie, uh, had he continued, he had a chance to go to another Olympics. But, uh, he was... Uh, just uh, he, he wasn't devastated he was numb he knew that with other players things might have been different and and, and I think that's been the ruse that uh, uh, Selznick uh, started petitions and he he did so to uh, make the US volleyball change their thinking and Selznick like I said was his own worst enemy Everybody knew that uh, maybe the 64 team wasn't the strongest team that went, but it was still a team. And things are going to change in 1968. They didn't change in 68. They sent a better group of people, but things never changed. And that, uh, and when I talk about things never change, that goes right to the top. Not only USVBA, but also the coaching. You know, Bertrand Group was there as kind of a... He was the assistant to Harry, right? He was assistant to Harry, and, uh, and you know I, I played for him years later, and, and he never talked about that. He says, "Well, uh, he says we're damn fools, and uh, we're damn fools." He never said we should have paid attention to Gene. We should have uh, paid attention to what the world was doing. Uh, he, he was very democratic in the, in the way he explained. Uh, uh, the pitfall of the 1964 team. Gotcha. Well, no, I, 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 I like, uh, I played with most of the guys in the, on the 64 Olympic team. You know, I, I played in different tournaments. You know, um, and I realized that, uh, maybe they were right. They got. And of course, that's always in the back of your mind. And uh, how do you make that 64 team? Well, it, it goes on and it just carried on to 1968. What about Erickson when he was a player? I heard, uh, well, Coach Wooden said he was one of the best athletes, two best athletes he ever, he ever had at uh, UCLA playing basketball. I heard he was uh, All-American, uh, All-Star in baseball had he gone that route. And then he was just a lord at volleyball. Um I've seen some of the photos that Bob Van Wagner took, and uh, he looked like he was hitting the ball over the over the block when he hit. So, any any good stories about Keith? Well, uh, you know, Keith um, Keith was good at in, in those days. Everybody played multi sport, but Keith played uh, whatever sport he was in. He was one of the best that played that sport. Okay. Uh, he's a good tennis player. Yep. You know, uh, maybe not an A player, but uh, uh, he was good. He was. Uh, he understood strategy. He understood uh, angles. Um, obviously, a good basketball player. He liked defense, quick hands, um, and and he never quit. But he was coachable. You know, the '64 Olympic team. You you had old guys trying to change and they couldn't because it was too late. You can't change in two weeks. Right. Uh, so, so Erickson uh, understood the changes that were necessary and really couldn't help because of the type of athletes that went in 64. You know what I mean? He, he, you could be a weak player on the team and you can't hide. Uh, the international players uh, find out who you are. They'll find out if you're weak up front, weak in the back, or both. But Keith held his own. You know, I, I enjoyed watching Keith. And he'd put balls out and just look at you. And just, uh, he wouldn't, uh, he had a smile. It wasn't a smirk, a smile. 
give you a head nod. You know, <laughs> tough athlete. But, uh, but he was on the, uh, when Keith had played, Keith was on the other side. He was with the cell phone show. Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. some of those pictures. I know uh, Gene thought he could be the next great player on the beach, but Keith had aspirations in basketball, so he couldn't really pursue uh, the beach volleyball avenue the way uh, they hoped he could. No, okay, you want to, you want to, you want to, uh, you want to win trophies, or you want to make money? Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> way to call it like it is, Butch. Look, he could have ridden rodeo uh, for one night uh, uh, for the first okay, time yeah. okay, <laughs> and won more money than he would have won uh, over his career in beach volleyball. The thing that rankles Rundle is uh, that players at that time were called recreational players. Okay, so we're all recreational players because we played for trophies. <laughs> but, but somehow uh, it was more than trophies. It was pride. Bragging rights... Uh, if you have ears, I would listen. But it was just, uh, we love the sport. Well, and later in life, John Lee said it best. <laughs> he said, uh, we played for pride, love of the game, um, and bragging rights, and just the brotherhood of the sand. And uh, I think uh, that's worth more than any dollar value you could have uh, just playing the sport just for the love of it back then. Well, uh, Keith already had his goal set. He wanted to uh, be a, a professional basketball player, <coughs> and he already said it. And uh, he was welcomed with open arms by the NBA, and well deserved. You know. Yep. Uh, who'd have thought that volleyball players would ever make money? Nobody knew. Uh, you know, it was 10, 15 years later that people were missing during the summer parts of the summer. You know, where the hell did you guys go? I, I was playing in Europe. Uh, you're playing in Europe doing uh, doing what? I was playing indoors, and uh, had to make some money. Yeah, I made some money. Whoa! God, that, nobody knew that. <laughs> we, we stuck around. It, 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 it's like a dog taking a crap in the kitchen, right? <laughs> it's a safe kitchen. You eat food and you're up. <laughs> if we'd have only known that uh, some of the players that played this game could go outside. And, uh, and learn more. It, it, you know, every player that went to Europe or that went to South America or uh, played Puerto Rico or Greece, they came back and said, by the time you know, when I got chosen by a team and got picked up, there were players two or three years younger than me that were, uh, you know, four or five years ahead of me in, in playing. Why? Because uh, we don't know what happened to our volleyball we thought we were sending good volleyball players over there uh, for club practice. No, they found out that uh, when they got there, uh, the real deal, they were still teenagers playing as well as uh, any of us could. And they, it enhanced our play. We have to go over there to learn how to play volleyball. That's what happens after college. Many of the players that left college, they went and played on these club teams throughout the world. I became better uh, volleyball players, and then you got to ask yourself, how can you leave college and become a better player? We thought when you're in college, your coach is going to give you all the things necessary. No, they gave you just enough to whet, to whet your appetite. But the best playing was out of the country at that time. Yeah, and it still is. It still is. So, '64, um, you got cut from the team, and. Uh, in 66, you uh, got uh, foraffed to go uh, into the war when uh, you went uh, to get drafted. So you went right down to the beach. So let's hear about your beach game at uh, State and Muscle Beach. Were those your two primary beaches, Butch? Uh, no, the primary beach was uh, Muscle Beach and then State Beach. <laughs> Uh, uh, Sorrento had a had a real tight group, and uh, I, I would jog from uh, the pier up to Sorrento see if anybody was playing. And that was what approximately two miles? No, just uh, maybe under a mile, under a mile. Just all soft sand. I would make sure that if I saw people laying on the sand getting tan, uh, I would look for a flock of uh, 
squatting seagulls. And I'd run close to them to uh, get them in the air. Because as soon as they got in the air, they started shitting over everything. (laughs) 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 I mean, I I, I was horrible. I'd look for them. And every once in a while, there was a backlash. They'd turn around and come back, and I'd get crapped on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was... uh, Par for the course with life. Yeah, uh, that was me. I I set myself up for failure. Um, We had... uh, I'd go up to Sorrento, and... Sorrento had a, a, a main court, and uh, you didn't play on that main court unless you were asked to, you know. But they had the secondary court if you were okay. But they played mixed up there. And um, I remember playing against this old guy, Wally, who was married to Yoshi. Wally Busby, the mayor? <laughs> yeah, the mayor. And, uh, you know, Wally stayed in one spot, and that was kind of interesting. I said, man, the guys that play with him would pass the ball right to that left spot. And uh, Wally would set the, put the ball down. God, that's fascinating. But when I went to Sorrento, they had, uh, I think there was a guy called Ken LaDuke. And uh, he was a teacher in the area. But LaDuke had a jump that was uh, at least 36 inches. I mean, he, he could jump. Close to and someone like Boardwell. Uh, maybe even higher than Boardwell. You know, and he was older then, but uh, man, when he got out there, he thought, well, I can't, how can I jump like him? And then you had uh, guys like Jack Kearns. <laughs> Jack Kearns, father's, did he, he ran uh, father's office, right? Yeah, he ran father's office. Uh, Jack had, uh, was very devious and smiling when, uh, um, let's say, hey, you want to play? And I couldn't understand uh uh, if I went in, he he, he tomahawked the ball over my head. If I stayed back, he'd drop it with it, and uh, you know. So you learn you learn goofy things, but you you see goofy things, but you learn that those shots are going to help you somewhere. Yep. You know, and uh, I'd go up there and get my uh, nose rubbed in it, and I'd say, "Okay, next." Okay, I'd, uh, I would go from Sorrento, uh, jog. Passed around because uh, if nobody was there, just a few people, or the uh, they had too many winners, I'd jog up to State Beach, and and I'd play up there. In those days, uh, here's how they uh, there were only two courts that I can remember at State Beach, and then there were three courts, and uh, the Hamburgers played on one of the courts uh, that was closest to the uh, we call the Green Wall. Now the Green Wall had a lot of activity. Uh, there were a lot of uh, um, Young men that were like their loafers, <laughs> like, Just, like 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 Sal Minio. <laughs> whatever. I, I just. Uh, Rich Ferro told me a story about Sal Minio. I'll tell you off the record sometime. Right. And a certain right. player there, he had a crush on. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, but if you hit the ball too far down, you had to go to the green wall where they were, and uh, and of course, if you, your body was glistening, right, because you were sweating it and stuff. Uh, sometimes the cat calls would be, uh, I have a towel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what would you do, Bush? You'd, you'd, get the, you'd call the seagulls over for him. Well, I, I, I never looked up until uh, uh, I found out that I was the only person running down for the ball. I mean, I was so happy to play down there. I, I'd run down there. Well, the activity was uh, not only in the seawall, but in the men's bathroom, which uh, <laughs> was overhead, uh, which was uh, above the parking lot. And sometimes I walk in there and, uh, you know, obviously to uh, um, take care of business. I go, oh, I'm sorry. I was <laughs> didn't even interrupt. <laughs> I went, oh, uh, wrong time to go to the bathroom. Right. You know, just, uh, and then you'd wait for them to come out and they wouldn't come out. You know, that type of thing. <laughs> but the idea was I got to State Beach and the players would come down. And... Uh, you know, I, I I saw players that were just uh, some of them were good, all coming down. You know, just like gunslingers. And um, when the better players came down, they got beat up. But you had players that um, um, you know. Uh, I was talking to uh, <laughs> Nancy Cole. Uh, Coey, fine yeah, wine. I was talking to Coey uh, yesterday at uh, Malia's uh, birthday party. And she said, uh, 
yeah, it was uh, it was different. You know, uh, I would go down there early enough to call out winners because I knew that you don't say challenge. And as I'm stepping on the court, somebody else would come, hey, hey, you're off. You know, oh, no, I call it a winner. Oh, no, no, no. Um, I phoned in at 810. <laughs> and didn't they have that phone booth right there called, the, the, called the office that no, was right no, by the parking had, lot? No, they had the phone booths right next to the rail leading. The, it was. <laughs> I think they called it the office later on. Anyway. Well, if they call it the office, everybody got on the court by phoning in. And <laughs> I, I said to myself, man, what a bunch of Richards. <laughs> and then somebody said, why do you call it Richard? Well, what's the nickname for Richard? Dicks. Uh, you know, and I said... Uh, or Butch. Uh, no, they were just... It was one of those things. I said, okay, um, unless I come down here and... Oh, uh, what the hell, I'll run all the way back to Muscle Beach. So that's what I did. <laughs> it, was, it was hard to get on is what you're telling me. Well, you either had old players or the young players already had the game set up. And, and it, it's one of those things. Volleyball players, uh, and I, I can't speak for anybody else but myself, um, a lot of volleyball players on most of the beaches are very selfish. Uh, you know, you go, hey, uh, hey, can I have winners? Oh, no, uh, we got a group. We're going to play two out of three. So I, I would stay and watch games, two out of three. Okay, and I come up, uh, that was two out of three. Oh, no, we're going to play another two out of three. And I'm going, Jesus, okay. Then I go to the next court. Well, like I said, that would send me back to Serrano. And if there were only old guys, uh, old players out there, I said to myself, okay, if I only have to play with old people, then I'll do it with old people. But I needed to work out. Right. And then I'd go back to Muscle Beach. So State Beach had, had its own group. Uh, Serrano had its own group. And Muscle Beach obviously had a group... <laughs> They had the Motley the Crew. Uh, they had circus performers. They had, uh, uh, you never knew who you were playing volleyball with. You know, there was, uh, there are two guys down there, a guy called uh, Richard Roberts. Um, he was born uh, by very wealthy parents in, uh, on the East Coast. And he liked to be called, um, like, you know, Richard. And uh, I didn't know who Richard was. He was a bachelor, but uh, he's a multimillionaire. And um, I went, holy crap, this guy's got property all over the place. He would be what I would call a very wealthy slumlord. <laughs> in around Santa Monica. And you had another guy called, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, God, I can't think of his last name, Robert, uh, Robert Schraders. Anyway, uh, Robert... Uh, had throat cancer but he was an art teacher and uh, I didn't know who he was until he died I mean I knew who he was before he died because I met his wife and had dinner with him but he was an impressionist artist who taught art in 70 countries throughout the world after the second world war and uh, you know at his funeral uh, you have a representative from Washington, D.C. came to say that um, it was because of his, uh, and his detailed in images and shadows that he helped win the war, not only in North Africa, but through Europe. I said, uh, what the hell did he do? Well, he could look at aerial photos and tell if it was uh, camouflage, uh, trucks, tankers, um, artillery, or if it was just fake stuff that the Germans had put up, not only in South Africa, but throughout Europe. And that's what he did. You know, he had the skill to read uh, shadows and stuff. And uh, he came and they, and, and they put a medal on his gravestone. That's How a bitch. You know? That's, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, just, uh, I, I kind of centered and stayed at, at uh, Muscle Beach. And only once in a while when I thought my game was uh, okay or there wasn't enough good players, I would kind of move up. It was hot dog stick uh, at Muscle Beach when you first went there back in the early 60s, yeah. mid-60s? Yeah. Uh, Gene Selzak met his wife, 
their hot dog and stick. She she worked for Dave Barham, and uh, and I said to myself, man, I want to be like Selva. Well, guess what? I met my wife, my first wife, <laughs> in Muscle Beach. Her name was Linda Klein, and uh, you know we were married. And uh, she was a hot dog and a sticker. And I said, God, I'm going to play just like Selva. <laughs> not, <even> <laughs> not even close. But uh, somehow, I, I I never ruffled uh, anybody up at Serrano, and I certainly didn't do that because of the respect for the people there and and the volleyball that they played. So you and didn't the, uh, expect people to call you by a name like uh, Richard and uh, call you Boucher? No, no. They just, um, uh, a lot of them didn't know who I was. You know, but Ernie would go to Sorrento. Sometimes he'd go up to State Beach. But at that time, the players would gather at the State Beach would be the place to go to first and then Sorrento. And of course, nobody went to Muscle Beach, you know. So um, I, I said to myself, uh, because people are, are hogging the courts, etc., that I would play with anybody, and and basically that's what I did. And Muscle Beach, I got to play with a lot of old people, and uh, that couldn't move. And I uh, beefed up my skills passing by making sure that uh, if they had a good time, I had a good time. Uh, I, I, I lost as many games as uh, I won, but then, uh, at the end it was a little bit different. I won more than I had lost. An invaluable then, uh, learning lessons, to put it mildly, when it comes to well, getting time on the court. Well, if if, if you enjoy something, uh, uh, you can't enjoy it if you keep it to yourself. Um, as human beings, uh, whatever we learn. And whatever we do, well, we should give it away. But it gave people, uh, especially the older people, the people that were shunned by good players, a chance to get on the court. And, and basically, that's all you want to do. I got more free dinners by doing this. You know? <laughs> Where'd you get the dinners at? Well, there's a place called the Cliff House, which is just uh, north of State Beach, just up about a quarter of a mile, maybe not even that. And George Ball and his wife ran that restaurant. And George said, hey, Hey, kid, you want to play? Said, no, George, he, could, he was old. You could only see out of one eye. Uh, George, <laughs> you know, and then somebody would say, uh, George, owns the cliff house. I go, George, you own the cliff house? Yeah. Um, I said, what do you guys serve up there? And he goes, uh, um, you play this game with me and I'll, I'll tell you. So I played a game and he goes, you come up with me or if you're near the cliff house, you go ahead and tell Martha, that was his wife, that I played with George, and uh, you can have maybe with the uh, help at that night. So you didn't order off the menu; you, you just had what they cooked in the back. Like That's you and Ernie else. at the Santa Monica Community College uh, snack bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I would make sure. I said to myself, "Okay, so only a, a quarter of a mile past State Beach, I could go there and eat, go back home when it's dark, run the beach." And, um, you know, I, I would do that about once every other week. I'd go up there. But uh, uh, now, uh, I, I think Georgia was getting, uh, um, I mean, Martha was getting a little uh, tired of seeing me. <laughs> so I made sure I, I'd go up there when uh, George was there. But George played the drums. You know, it's, uh, can you imagine an old guy about 77, 78 years old playing? And uh, you had one guy come up there with his horn. And, you know, they would play jazz. And even though it, it sounded like awful jazz, you recognize the tune. But they had fun. We had fun. And George says, this is like a volleyball. Uh, you make it fun for me, and I'm going to try to uh, uh, entertain you while you're eating. And, uh, and, and I never forgot that. I, I realized that um, my skills, uh, if people, if the courts were idle, and uh, people I had a chance to play was to play with everybody, and and I did that. And you got a nice free meal about uh, at the end of the night, or no, when you uh, wanted it. Yeah, just uh, I, I would drop by there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, I would drop drop by there too often sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Bogey. Uh, no, if Bogey knew what I was doing, uh, he'd be playing with more 
old people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was nice. Uh, my wife got to meet him. Uh, I met uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of people up there that were uh, old has been stopping in for the last drink. You know, uh, George would never give me anything to drink. He says, if you order alcohol, then you pay for it. But other than that, you can have the food that all the uh, help eats. And I go, uh, I said, yeah, I could do that. So he fed me. He carried me for a while. Classic. That's what's great about that sport, you know. <laughs> Play with the old guy, learn some lessons, and then uh, get a nice meal when you needed it. Well, to show you how ruffle I was, um, players from Muscle Beach would bring down pads of paper. They would put them on the first two courts, and you signed up. And then uh, as your name was called, if you wanted a passage, and you're supposedly not supposed to sign up on uh, anything but one court. And we're going to make it very democratic. And we're going to show Sorrento and State Beach that by putting these... Um, uh, pads up with pencils that uh, that was a democratic way of playing right well, that, uh, it only worked the muscle beat you want to hear a funny story about that is uh, Bob Van Wagner uh, played at East Beach and um, one of the best stories I heard from Raffaro is they incorporated that same thing at at East Beach and Van Wagner would put his name on the list, and then Bobby Garcia would come by and cross off uh, Van Wagner, and then um, real in, with pencil, and then write Garcia above it. <laughs> and then Garcia would steal his game, and Van Wagner would find out, and then uh, threaten to kick his ass and, and uh, chase him all down the beach. And by the time uh, they came back, the next team was playing. <laughs> it's just... Uh... Uh, like I said, volleyball players are selfish. You, you, you can go down the course today, um, whether it's uh, Huntington Beach or other places, and uh, they normally have four or five players that stay there. You know what I mean? That's their court for an hour and a half, and uh, sometimes um, it, it, it ruffles people, especially new people. I, I found that out when I went to Clearwater, Florida a few years ago. Uh, I was coaching in Tampa, and I went down to play, and I went to the first court. I said, uh, does anybody have winners? Oh, no, we got our own group. I went to the second court. Uh, does anybody have winners? Oh, no, we got our own group. So there's five courts. I got down to the last court, and I said, does anybody have winners? No, we got our own group. And then I hear somebody go, Bush, is that you? I go, yeah. Oh, then uh, you can play with this group. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and I got to stay and, and play a lot. And... Uh, and we moved up to the first court and just kind of beat up everybody. We, we weren't the best hitters, but we could dig and shoot and, and keep the ball uh, off the sand. And by the time I got down to the end, uh, the people on the first group were saying, well, why didn't you tell us you played volleyball? Well, now it's, um, I asked you, does anybody have winners? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me like two 12-year-old kids were going to tell you, no, we got this court, buddy, move along. No, but, uh, you know, the months had gone by and uh, um, they had younger players coming down there. Some just out of high school or going to community college and they said, hey, can we have uh, winners? And I'm playing with a guy and the guy said, no. Uh, before he could say no, I said, uh, Okay, and I'm uh, your second up. And they did the same thing I did. They stuck around long enough that, uh, you know, the game was over fast. You know, and uh, I said, hey, thanks a lot. And, uh, you know, I realized that uh, maybe we should be a little bit more open. Now, if you're a hamburger, stay on the hamburger court. You know, they did that at Sorrento. They did that at Muscle Beach. They certainly did that at State Beach. Yeah. You, you respected the courts that were the best. You didn't go up there unless you were asked to play, or unless you were better. And uh, you know, uh, and and I respect that. Let's talk a little more about State Beach when you first went up there, because Gene ran that court. Um, I remember an epic story that Al Skates told me when he went to play beach volleyball. He got there early. 
so he could get a game, but he was still late. He had to wait a couple games. Finally got on the court, and all of a sudden he sees this bronze god walking down the stairs with a couple of women and uh, got kicked off the court because it was Gene. And uh, he learned right away that uh, it was a different set of rules for certain players and things. So wow. what do you remember about who ran state and who all was there? Alti Cohen, Gene, Lang, Fluger, who, who was all there? Well, actually, Fluger was the state of state beach. I mean, most of, I mean, at uh, Sorrento, and uh, but he would start at State Beach and then uh, go down to Sorrento, and and you felt more comfortable uh, in Sorrento. Um, at State Beach, you had the I, I can't remember all of the names, but uh, um, you know, once a year they had a throw game, uh, throw tournament, and you played with somebody um, that wasn't as skilled as you. And uh, they added up the uh, the ages, and uh, you got so many points. And uh, players that came down there to play in those things, you had Jim Palmer, um, Hall of Fame baseball player, would come down there, and uh, um, he would play. And he's a good athlete. Uh, I mean, this is before he retired. He played in throw uh, throw tournaments, and then he went back out of retirement to. Uh, load up the bases and get the hell back out of them. But uh, the idea that he would come down, Doug McClure, who was a, uh, a TV movie star at that time, would play down there. But there were a lot of uh, a lot of good players. And, and Selznick, certainly he was uh, he had his court. Uh, he'd come down there. He'd go from the main court, maybe play a little bit of mix and come back. Yeah, he, he kind of ruffled him and, and ran that. But uh, in all fairness, Everybody had winners, but that damn phone kept ringing. And every time that phone rang, I already knew I was one game more behind. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I got more. It's like the line for dominoes today. No, it's just, uh, but when Gene came down there, he came down there, and there was a flare. The, the beast did light up. Um, Ernie, uh, I, I got to see Bernie Holtzman play. And uh, Bernie was certainly, he was undersized, but big with both hands, talking uh, excessively, telling you how good you might be someday. (laughs) 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 By doing this, oh, kid, I can read your shots. Okay, I can read your shots with my back turned, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, he would rankle you until you started dumping balls on him or hit balls past him. Not bad, not bad for a new kid. And, uh, you know, he, he never did say butch. He always called me kid. And <laughs> yeah, that's a term of endearment, though. At least he didn't no, call you asshole. I'm... No, I, I, I later played with uh, uh, Dane, his son. And uh, we played twice. Uh, we only played twice, and that was at uh, 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 Marine Street. And we took second. We took second to Fluger uh, um, and and Clem and Ronald Bergman. And uh, he says, Kit, yeah, what you got to do is uh, we got to start putting more balls down. <laughs> <laughs> and he never said much. And Dave would be looking at me. Uh, I didn't say anything. But I, I got to watch Bernie play. You know, even uh, uh, he, all his moves were good. He was a tiny guy. I mean, not tiny. He was just. Undersized. How tall was he? Like I've heard five uh, nine. Uh, I've heard six foot. Uh, no, Birdwell he, told me he was about just five, a, seven. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, on the stress day with his hairpiece in, probably five eight. Uh, <laughs> Spiked up. But, but but you have players down there. Uh, um, uh, sounds like he had a falling down there, and like I said, he lit up the beach when. Uh, he got out of his car and everybody okay it's uh you know and he would come down there and uh, um, he didn't wait as long as i did to get on the court but, <laughs> but they, they had characters down there I, I said we had the green wall so there was uh, an excessive activity at one end of the beach and that was there the uh, beach club and but there was also excessive activity in the men's room 
And, uh, <laughs> but there was a character that came down there. His name was George Miller. Okay. George Miller came down and he would look over the crowd and he was under, he was about the size of Bernie. And without asking George, George said, I can whip all your asses. And, you know, he'd be looking around. Let's see, who am I going to start off with today? And uh, he had a dog called Lawrence as a, a bulldog. And Lawrence would go down the stairs and take a straight line along the wall to go where George was. So George would walk out where uh, people were laying against the wall or they had their bellows up. And George would walk away from them. But Lawrence took a beeline. He went straight. If he walked over you, that's what he did. If you hit a ball there, a volleyball, he'd go out and he'd wrestle that thing. It was a big job. And all you you would hear is... <laughs> popped another ball. And they go, George, he popped the ball. And, uh, and George would go, isn't he beautiful? Yeah, I trained him well. No, he just... Uh, George kept saying, don't hit a ball there. He doesn't like balls. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and one more ball would bite the dust. George never paid for any of the balls. But I, I personally witnessed probably about three balls in all the times I was down there that he popped. He just uh, That damn Lawrence. Yeah, uh, Lawrence. Son of yeah, a gun. But, but, but Selza did... Uh, he lit up the beach, and uh, he was fun to watch. And uh, did you ever see him do anything amazing at the beach when you were there? Or you're just like, gosh, this guy is... Everything he did was amazing. You had players that could hit the ball. He'd figure you out. But if he didn't dig you with two hands, he dug you with one. Uh, Selzak was a hands-on player. He, he didn't bump. Selzak couldn't bump. You know, he never learned how to do that because he was too busy being a setter running into set. I played and with he a, passed perfectly overhand, from what I heard. Well, it, it, it was always clean. I mean, it, it, it was it was amazing what he could do with the ball. You know, and uh, I'd watch him intensely, and uh, he made everybody that he got on the court with not only uh, the ones that he played with, but that played opposite and played better. Because, you know, you have bragging rights if you went home to be, and you beat him. In his waning years, I played with him in a Winston tournament in San Diego. We're playing Don Shaw and another player, I forget who it was. You're playing and, Big um, Daddy from Pacific Palisades. Yeah, Big Daddy. Stud, stud basketball player and four-time NCAA title uh, winner as a coach at Stanford. Well, we got to, uh, here's what happened. We're... 12, uh, 12 6. And Selza said, I was playing him, I was playing Mitch. So Selza stayed at the net, I passed, he said, I just, so we're 12 6 side up ball. And he goes, Can I come back and, uh, and, and play a couple of points? I figured 12 6, yeah, no problem, 15 point game. So he comes back, his first ball, he just shanks the hell out of the ball. And I'm running, trying to get it up. And he goes, Shadow Hobbits. Shadow Hobbits was his favorite expletive. It didn't swear very much. What was uh, it called? It just said Shabba Hobbits. And he jumps up with two hands and he shoots them all over the net. They, they hit it back over our head. I went, holy crap. Okay, now that's 7 12. No problem. Um, we go again. And I'm sending the ball to someone, expecting him to chop it. But he's going to Shabba Hobbits, use his two-handed shot to put the ball away. Well, Shabba Hobbits, they both line up like they're in the I formation. And they <laughs> the ball, and hits it over. And uh, nobody said anything on the side other than uh, uh, Daddy's, uh, Big Daddy's party goes, there you go, Shabba Hobbits. <laughs> so, so now I go like this, Sells, so get on in that. Nah, give me two more. I go, okay, 8 12, you can't. Uh, okay, I'm going to give you two more. And uh, <laughs> uh, he never hit a ball. He just shot a hobbits. You know what I mean? And I, I, I said, Gene, hit the ball, dink it, do whatever you can. But uh, no more shooting. He said, I'm going to put one of these shot hobbits down on him. Well, <laughs> they call timeout. And in the meantime, 
Selznick like goes up. They're on the other side of the net. They call timeout. And Selznick's like reminding him what a dick he might have been uh, for his old age. And he goes, we're in the money. We're in the money. And he's singing that song. And uh, I said, Selznick, like, whatever you do, don't get him pissed off. No. And he goes, we're in the money. And he's kind of pissing around. And uh, uh, next thing I know, the score is 10-12. And then it's 13-12. We're down one point. And Selznick tells me, okay, I'm ready. And I said, ready? I said, uh, <laughs> they have 13 and we got 12. We have moved. <laughs> Typical Gene. So Gene uh, digs the ball. And I said, just put it over. Uh, just put it away. And he gives me another Shabba Hobbit. So he jumps up with two hands and he shoots it over and they put it over ahead. I went like, son of a bitch. Now the score is 14-12. Well, we end up losing 15-12. We never made another point. And as soon as the ball went down, the Shabba Hobbit's ball went down, they both run under the net, and they run up to where, uh, you know, I was telling James, so, you know, we had a chance to win $350. So in other words, that was uh, uh, seventh place. Seventh place paid $350. I'm already thinking at 12-6 that I'm taking home $175. You know what I mean? Yep. Except Shabba Hobbit's. So now they come up and they put their face right in Gene's face and, and say, we're in the money. I'm wondering who Shaw was playing with. I know uh, John Lee and Boomer Milliken are two of his best buddies, so I'm wondering uh, if it was uh, either uh, one of those two. I don't know if it was John, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might want to ask him. Yeah, I'm, when I post this, uh, I'm sure... Uh, the big daddy, uh, he's he's a sharp guy. Uh, he'll be yeah. able to. He'll. Rem- I'm sure he remembers that well. <laughs> Let's just well, put it that mile. Uh, well, that I, I, I I actually thought Jim was going to jump up. Looks like he was going to give him his shabba hoppers, you know, the two handed <laughs> shot, and then roll the ball over with his right hand or his left hand. So was just put it in another spot. And <laughs> Uh, that day's Shabba Havas didn't work. Shabba Havas. Uh, I'm going to use that once in a while. Uh, it's a classic line. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good expletive, okay, uh, if you're around people that are uh, <laughs> very uh, soft, Shabba Havas is a good word. <laughs> All right, Butch, we'll cut it off there tonight so I can make this into a podcast. Okay, This concludes part two of our multi-part interview with Butch May. Thanks so much for tuning in. As a reminder, we do have a Facebook page, which is Gods to Ghosts Volleyball, where we keep all of our podcasts. In addition to that, we have a website, which is GodsToGhosts.com, dedicated to the history of this amazing game. Thanks again for listening. Stay tuned for part three.